Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Business of Design podcast. You're in the right place if you're an interior design professional, an architect, a stager, styler, anyone really who works in a creative space and charges for their expertise in increments of time, because that's what we do, isn't it? Uh, We are talking today with designer, decorator, Sarah Kidder in Ottawa, who has recently completed a charity show house and is going to enthusiastically describe what that process is like, and we're going to talk about whether or not you should take on charitable events like that or participate in show houses, which can be so much fun. Every episode of Business of Design talks about what we hope is a relevant subject to your business, and we try very hard to make sure every topic is actionable. Uh, While it's really fun to hear what inspired someone to become a designer, we're much more focused here on what you've learned in the past from running your business and how that's going to impact the people who are listening. Because at the end of the day, we're all busy professionals. We have limited time. So every single hour should impact you in a positive way. And we appreciate so much those of you who have reached out to share your testimonials with us, your awesome thank you. You could do us all a huge favor, if you don't mind, by going on to iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play, wherever you're subscribing to us. Give us a thumbs up and rate the show, if you will. Uh, We are really putting our heart and soul into it, and your enthusiastic responses to every episode uh, keep us going and keep us motivated. Uh, We're also open to new show ideas. Maybe you've got a topic you want to share, something you're really good at. You know, the fact of the matter is none of us is good at every single aspect of the business, but probably there's some tiny little thing that you rock at that you'd be willing to share with the community. So reach out to us. Today's topic kind of falls under the category of marketing because most of us, when we are going to step in to do a show house or step into a charitable auction like the one Sarah just did, we're thinking about it as it pertains to spreading the good word about the work we do, and that loosely falls under the category of marketing. Um, The concept, if you're not familiar with it, is a show house is typically where you take a space, a large home, a large private home, or a large commercial Uh, enterprise project, and every single designer who works on the show house will tackle one room. So that's kind of the show house experience. Uh, What Sarah Kidder has done is something a little bit different. Uh, There is a home that's going to be auctioned off, and the money is going to uh, be raised on behalf of a hospital. So it's a great cause. In this case, there were four designers in total who worked on the entire house. So they did a much bigger job, I think, than the show houses I've done where we've tackled one room. And uh, I think there's a lot to learn from this. And it also gets us thinking about uh, the times that we are asked to do things for free using our expertise. So uh, hopefully that's running through your mind as you're listening to this podcast, too. Sarah is really enthusiastic uh, about her experience with the show house, and you're going to hear that in the episode. I do press her just a little bit on the subject of intention. Uh, Two cornerstones of success, I would say, are uh, intention and then evaluation. I think we can all agree that uh, when you're asked to do something like this for free, give your expertise for free, it's, uh, it's far better to be paid than to have to volunteer. But there are times when there's an event that is really really worthy of your time and you want to do it for whatever reason. And you're going to hear Sarah share her reasons. Um, Still, before agreeing, I do think it's important to set intentions. If you're thinking this is going to be great for press, then define what that means. Does it mean just seeing your name in the newspaper? Is that enough? Having an entire article revolve around you in your room, is that enough? Doing a radio show? uh, Whatever it is, you want to be able to ask for what you need up front. When the show house organizers approach you, you can say right at the beginning before you agree that you would love to participate. It's a great cause. 
this. Uh, and you do have to set some intentions around it. For example, you have a goal to be featured in at least one newspaper article and to appear on two radio programs. Ask the or ask the organizers if they can help you make that happen. Uh, they might be able to do it directly for you, and if not, perhaps they can help you pursue uh, the people who can make that happen. If you're appearing at a home show, donating your time, you can also set an intention to see your name on the home show press. Uh, you can set an intention to get uh, two new clients. Before agreeing to donate your time, negotiate how your name is going to appear uh, in the press around a home show. For example, in my office, I soon uh, will typically say Kimberly's name has to come first if there's a group of designers who are appearing. Otherwise, she's not making the appearance. Um, you know, it's great that I soon can do that because I might be a little bit embarrassed to do that for myself, but she can do it without missing a beat. And very often I find that in that way I get to be the headliner at, at shows, which is better for my business. If you want new clients, uh, if you're going to speak at a home show, then think very careful about what you're going to talk about. How many times I was asked to talk on trends at home shows, which is fun, but it never resulted in me getting new clients. The minute I refused to talk about trends and instead decided I would focus only exclusively on project management and particularly my 15-step project management strategy, I could guarantee that I would get one or two new clients when I spoke spoke at the home shows. So you might have to do a little bit of experimenting to make sure that you are meeting the intentions you set for yourself. And of course, none of it matters if you're not afterwards evaluating to determine whether or not your intention was met. Now, what you're going to hear from Sarah is somewhat typical behavior around participating in a show house. She didn't log any of her hours because she really didn't want to know. And I completely get that. Sarah decided she was going to do this show house no matter what, and that's fine. However, she's now thinking she wants to participate next year. And that's when this information would really be valuable, because one year later, she would know whether or not she got any meaningful press or a client or two out of this event. Um, now, don't think badly of me. Of course, you can give your time to any good cause you want, but let's be honest. Usually when we say yes to one of these high-profile events, somewhere in the back of our minds is this idea that we might get a little recognition for our efforts, perhaps even get a new client. And there is really nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's smart. You have only so much time to give, and your time is your expertise, and that expertise has incredible value. If you're going to donate 105000 dollars worth of your expertise, as Sarah tells us she did in this episode, yeah, that's a big number, right? Then what is wrong with hoping there's going to be a return on that investment? A feel-good return, for sure. You've done something wonderful for your community. But what's wrong with also a tangible return? Like, I got one new client that is going to take me through the spring uh, and keep us all employed for another five months. Um, if you intend to run a mature, profitable, enviable business, and I know you do, otherwise you wouldn't be here, then really we can't afford to stick our heads in the sand anymore when these opportunities arise. So set an intention, track your donation, which means all of the hours you spend, and then also track the amount of favors you call in when you do one of these shows, because I've done a number of them, and I have to ask uh, a guy who normally builds uh, case goods for us to come down and donate his time, and that's really calling in a favor. So track those things, and then be strategic about whether or not you can afford to do this opportunity. Sarah Kidder always strives to give her clients unique, customized spaces. She is known for her ability to work within any design style and her brave use of color, pattern, and texture. She has more than 13 years experience now in the Ottawa design industry, and Sarah has worked on a number of residential and small commercial projects and corporate projects as well. 
giving each and every one of her clients an original look that reflects uh, their lifestyle and the space that they're living in. Sarah is a formally trained decorator, uh, seven times consecutive winner of Homestar's Best of Award. And most recently, her designs have won three NKBA Design Excellence Awards. Working with a team of trusted contractors, tradespeople, and suppliers, Sarah is able to offer her clients exclusive products, personalized service, and most importantly, a low-stress, fun-filled design experience. I think you're going to like Sarah. Before we start the episode, let's check in with Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. How are you today? I am doing really good. How about you? Everything is good. Do you have some new exciting event for us or are we wrapping things up for the year? We've actually just opened registration for High Point. We've been talking about Yay. doing it for a while. So it's here. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> Business of Design. We're going to go as a group. The dates are April 13th to 15th. And uh, the cost is $11.95. But if you register before the end of the year, we're only asking for a 50% deposit now. We want everyone to register early and book your hotels. They go so fast. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and we'll hook you up with our personal travel agent uh, in order to coordinate that for you. Um, but make sure you uh, you join us for High Point. We're going to be touring the market, uh, attending lots of events together. You'll get to do group coaching sessions with Kimberly, which yeah. I know is a big draw. That's what everyone's been asking for. <laughs> and there'll be plenty of one-on-one time. So if you have a pressing problem and you want uh, uh, some time to hang out and talk about it in depth, we will make sure that there's time for that. Cheryl's also going to uh, talk to every single person who registers to find out what their intention is and make sure that we plan a trip that meets those intentions and exceeds your expectations. Um, so come prepared to learn and have fun and know that that uh, if it's your first time traveling as a business expense, good for you. That's a really smart thing to do with your money. Yeah. And we want you to get the most of the trip. So again, we'll be setting intentions. So uh, you can send questions in advance. You can let us know if you're sourcing for a client. Uh, We're going to make sure you really do get the most out of the market. So uh, again, it's coming up on April uh, 13th to 15th, but register early and make sure you get your hotels booked. So um, that's on. And then also we're closing in on the end of our webinar series. So on coming up on November 22nd, uh, we're covering steps 12 and 13, which is deficiencies. So that's that's going to be a big one. We always get a lot of questions on um, the courses relating to uh, steps 12 and 13. So make sure you uh, sign up for that one again. It's coming up on November 22nd, our second last webinar of the year. Oh, okay. Wow. That happened quickly. And I... I also just wanted to jump in. We got a really great testimonial from uh, Crystal from uh, Etobicoke in Ontario here. And um, it says, I am new and loving this information. This is stuff they do not teach you in design school. I wish I had more hours in the day to watch the videos and read the books, but I'm working on it. (laughs) I love it. Um, And her name is Crystal? Yes. Crystal, she, she, you will have more hours in the day. Once you implement these systems, you'll find that you have a lot more time and a lot more headspace. So uh, we're excited to have you in the Business of Design community. Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing those testimonials. No problem. I love reading them. I'm usually the first one that uh, gets to see them when they come in. So uh, keep them coming. We love hearing the feedback. It, it keeps us going. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Have a great day. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now, back to the episode. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I understand you're getting over a, a little bit of a cold. Is that because you worked yourself to death on this show house? That's probably part of it. And I just came off the home show this past weekend too. So there was a lot of talking and, um, you know, that wasn't really helping the cold at all. <laughs> okay. Well, I was really excited to see the work that you did for this particular um 
charitable cause. And I know a lot of listeners uh, think sometimes that doing a show home for charity or for uh, the fame and fortune of it all is kind of a wonderful thing to do, which it is, but it's also a lot of work. So I thought you're in a perfect position having just completed this huge project to talk to us about what's in it for you as a business owner and how it works out in terms of your long-term business goals. So tell us, first of all, how you got involved. Um, well, the so it's the, the CHEO Dream of a Lifetime Lottery. It's um, for the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, and it's um, a fundraiser. So the house is auctioned off, or not auctioned, you buy tickets for the house, and um, the grand prize winner gets this, like, $1.8 million prize. And... Um, it's, it's really been kind of a, a big deal in Ottawa for forever, but it's always been the same designers that have been doing it for the last 25 years or so, KISS Design Group. And um, I didn't really know the girls from KISS very well. Like, I'd met them at, you know, different events and, and things like that. Um, one of them in particular, her husband used to be a contractor, and he had done some work for me, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. So I sort of knew of her, but I hadn't met her. And then uh, we ran into each other one day in... Uh, our cabinet maker, we use the same cabinet maker. So we just, you know, got chatting a little bit and, and connected. But again, I didn't really think much of it. And so the two of them, so it's Donna and Tracy are the two leads. And so this was Tracy I was talking about. Um, they decided that they want to start transitioning um, from this project a little bit. And um, Donna's looking towards retirement. And, you know, Tracy's got a lot of clients that um, are very time consuming. So they did want to scale back a little bit. So they decided to bring on additional designers for this year. And uh, Tracy recommended me to Donna from our, our brief interactions and, Donna called me one day last October, I think it was, and left me a voicemail saying, oh, I'd like to collaborate with you on a project. And of course, my immediate thought is, oh my God, this is the Chio Dream Home. Is it the Chio Dream Home? I was so excited and, and nervous. And um, she was going into a meeting, so I had to wait about a half an hour to even be able to call her back. <laughs> and when I did, um, she, she confirmed that it was for the Chio Dream Home. And um, she wanted to meet to talk about it and, you know, sort of get the process rolling. And I was, of course, flabbergasted because this was really a cold call from her. And, um, yeah, so that was basically how my, my involvement came about. It was just a series of fortunate coincidences, I guess. All the best gigs seem to come to us that way. But um, yeah. you, you were excited about it because it gets a tremendous amount of publicity in the Ottawa Absolutely. area, right? So people know it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very highly publicized. And I mean, certainly for a great cause as well. Um, my son had two surgeries at, at uh, Chio when he was young, minor surgeries, but you know, it was really nice to get the opportunity to give back in this way. Right. Um, so it, it's really a very prestigious opportunity in Ottawa. It's so exciting. I love that you stepped up and you did this. And um, were you most excited about it because you wanted to give back? You know, you had that experience with your son being able to use those services. Uh, and were you also excited because, wow, this is going to be an opportunity to really promote my business? It was a bit of both. I mean, certainly there was the the charity aspect of it, and we're super fortunate to have Chio here. Um, but I'm not going to lie; there was, you know, there, there was a there's a huge media buzz around it. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of people go through it. So, um, you know, I, I fully recognize what this could potentially do for my business as well. Right. Any reservation about the amount of work, the amount of cost? Did you think about that going in or were you just like, uh, no, I'm in. You were just all in before you even thought about it. Oh yeah. No, there was, there was no hesitation. I was in. I mean, as we got into it, there was a little bit of hesitation. And, um, part of that came from the fact that it wasn't just me they were bringing on and I didn't realize that at first. So at the first meeting, there was this other woman there and I was just like, Oh, what is this? Like, is she from Chio? Is she from the builder? Like, who is this person? And then I found out that she was another designer as well. And then it was, well, are they interviewing us? Like, how is this, how is this working? And um, it turned out that they brought both of us on and um, she and I didn't know each other at all. So there was a little bit of, you know, trepidation there as well that, you know, there's four designers here. Is there going to be headbutting? Like, I don't know this woman. Is it, you know, how's this going to go? And um, it actually turned out really fabulously because she and I, um, her name's Krista, she and I are very close now and we became very good friends through this because we're actually quite alike in um, personality and in design style. So uh, that was good. But I mean, initial going into it was, you know, all hands on deck. Like I'm, I'm in, doesn't matter what happens. And, um, well, yeah, you, I, I was, 
You bring up a really interesting point, which is when you get a call like this, that's an opportunity, air quotes, opportunity. You do yeah. want to make sure you know what you're getting into. And in your case, you thought, hey, I'm going to be the designer. And it turns out, no, there's actually four designers. Did they want you guys to share a space and work together? Or did you each have your own spaces? Well, originally it started, so Donna and Tracy were still acting as kind of the lead, but they really were giving Krista and I a lot of creative freedom, which was great. And so the way that that Donna um, was suggesting we go about it was that one of us take one floor and one of us take the other floor, and they would kind of oversee everything to make sure that the house was cohesive. And um, so I chose the main floor and um, Krista was doing the bedroom floor. And so we, you know, put together our concepts and we presented it to, um, to the ladies from KISS. And, you know, so I would say originally the, the main concepts were our own, but very quickly we all started collaborating on everything. And, um, you know, so for example, I designed the kitchen and I, I did the layout and I chose the... Um, the fridge and the dishwasher. Uh, Donna chose the stove. I chose the countertops, the um, cabinet color, the style, the hardware. Uh, Donna chose the floor. Tracy and I chose all the lighting. We had an original lighting plan, but of course we were way over budget. So uh, Tracy and I revised that lighting plan together. And then um, Krista and Tracy did all the window treatments except for the drapes in the dining room. Wow. Um, So it ended up being a real collaboration. It did, which is which is really neat. So, I mean, the original concepts were still kind of ours, but all of the final details and tweaking, like I had very little to do with the master bedroom. That was really Krista did most of that. Um, but the millwork that was done in the um, between the dining room and the sitting room and in the family room, like it was being installed. And Krista was saying, "I still have no idea what this is. Like, what is this? And you know, what's going here?" And she she hadn't seen any of it because I had designed it and right. got approval from Donna. So, as much as it was collaborative, there were still all these things that you know we had done separately. So it was. It was a really neat process. And by the way, everybody, we're going to put links to the show house on the Business of Design website, and I'm sure Sarah's got them on her website, uh, so you'll be able to walk through the show home and see it for yourself. Well, that's interesting. I've done a couple of charitable events. Um, one, we did Gilda's House uh, in Toronto when it opened, and we did pair up with other designers whom we didn't know, and we collaborated, which I thought this is going to be a nightmare, getting two designers <laughs> to agree on yep. anything. And it turned out exactly as you said, that we became the best of friends and we still all hang out together today. And then I've done yep. show houses where we've done one room, but I'll tell you what I have never done. I have never done a show house where I took a floor. I cannot even imagine how big that job was for you to take the entire main floor. That is crazy. Did you do yep. any factoring in of your time and how much money it was costing you, physical labor, money, et cetera. Did you do any of those business stats for yourself before or after? Um, I did a little bit. I didn't track my hours, um, partly because I, I almost didn't want to know um, how much I was I was putting in. Um, Krista did track, and she figures that we were somewhere around 700 hours, wow. um, which is which is a lot. And now that's now that's like we all put in 700 hours. Yeah, yeah, so, I, mean, I get. <laughs> I know you did. Or, yeah, or just two people were were putting that in, you know, that's it was a tremendous amount of work. I mean, the home's about 5500 square feet and um I mean just the sheer volume of decisions to be made and and I mean, I do this for a living like like everybody else. And you know, it's still um it was still a bit a bit crazy. Like this is this was the largest project I've ever worked on. Um, I do a lot of renovation work. So getting to work on a space from, you know, basically just the plans and and this house does not yet exist all the way through to the styling, you know, putting the last piece in place was, um, I mean, it was a tremendous amount of work. But fun work, of course. Well, and an exciting way to push yourself and see what you're capable of. So that's exciting. But I want to go back and talk about this 700 hours. And I'm surprised you didn't track your hours. I know you. You know better than that. You know I to do. track I your do. hours. But I knew because it was volunteer work, I didn't really want to, I didn't want to know. <laughs> okay. I'm going to really put you on the spot here. What's your hourly rate? Uh, it's 150 an hour. Okay. Now you're going to maybe but do math. Everybody hold on. I'm going to get a calculator. <laughs> 
I'm going to actually do the math here. I know some of you have already done it in your head, and you're like, you're such a loser. Why can't you do this in your head? But I can't. So, all right. Do you know what that translates into billable hours? Do you know yeah, $105,000. There you go. You're good. Yeah. So $105,000. And I'm surprised you didn't track it because I know you run a very strict, mature business. And the reason you want to track it is not because of this show house, because you've decided you're going for it and you're going to give it 100%. But when they call you next year, it's really <coughs> important for you to be able to go back and say, did I get the value in my business or in personal satisfaction out of doing this project. And, right. um, and also you, you want to recognize like a lot of people are going to walk through that house. I'm hoping you're going to get a great deal of business from that house, but let's say you don't, then that number, that $105,000 that you've donated becomes even more important. Is it really worth it? for me to do all that if I'm not going to get business. And then you want to look at tweaking how you approach that show house so you do get business. So there's lots and lots to talk about, but I'm glad that um, Tracy, was it Tracy who tracked the hours? No, it was Krista. Krista. I'm glad she tracked those hours. That was really smart of her to do. And if you do it again, will you promise me you'll track your hours? Yes, I will. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for being so candid about your fees and everything. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And uh, I know some people are listening from, uh, you know, 45 different countries around the world, and they're thinking $150 an hour, that's a lot. Uh, so some of them are thinking it's time to raise their rates. And, and I would say, yeah, it probably is, right? Yeah. And, but I mean, that's pretty in line with, with here in Ottawa. Um, so, I mean, I guess it all, a lot of it depends on your location as well. And, um, yeah, but sometimes when you live in smaller communities, there's less competition and your rate can be even true. higher. So really we make up these excuses why we can't raise our rates. And, and you may be in a position where you need to raise your rate now that you're stepping out and doing these bigger projects. So this could be great for you in all kinds of ways. So, okay. What did you learn through this process about running a business? Were there some moments where you said, oh my gosh, this is going to be really important in my future? Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly learned more about the organizational aspects of it. Um, organization's never been my, it, it's never been something that's that's come really easily to me. Um, and I really realized on something of this magnitude, how important that is, Um for all aspects of business, whether it's, you know, um, logging your hours or um, invoicing, making sure that, you know, all those little details, everybody's where they're supposed to be when they say they are. And um, yeah, just when, when it's a project of that scale, like the timelines are so important and you have to be organized. You have to make sure that the decisions are made when, you know, they have to be made and stuff is ordered on time. And, you know, there were things that we weren't responsible for, which, um, didn't get ordered in time. And then there was this mad panic in the end, which was pretty stressful for us. And, you know, it, it just kind of reiterates that, um, you know, you have to take charge of your own products and your own labor and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, in a project like this, we couldn't necessarily, like we weren't, um, we weren't using our own suppliers and trades. It was, we were, the builder was providing those to us. So we had to work within their, um, their right. timelines and their schedules. So right. it's a bit yeah, of a just, hybrid, right? Like, but you realize is, yeah. how important, I love that you said that it's truly important for you to take ownership of your projects because too yeah. many times the contractor says, I'm going to order the tile and then we, it's time to do the tile and the tile isn't there. And yeah. inevitably all fingers point at the poor designer. I'm not sure exactly. why. And our lame mumbling of, well, the contractor said he would order it does not buy us any sympathy from the clients. So I've learned to just take control so that I know yeah. I have everything at my fingertips. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something, especially towards the end that, um, Chris and I were really, um, up on that. We decided we can't assume anything. We have to follow up with everyone, even things that aren't our responsibility, they have to get done. And, you know, we're the ones that are catching, the delays or the mistakes or the whatever. So, you know, we had to double check and triple check with people that, yes, it's coming. What day is it coming? Like we need a firm answer, not, oh, it's supposed to be here this date. Like, no, you call the company and you tell us when it's coming. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, it, it was it was good for me to learn too about um, managing more trades than I usually do because there was just there was so much chaos and so many people in the house at any one time and um, you know just being able to kind of put on my my big girl pants and and not boss people around necessarily but you know be assertive and uh, make sure that the things I needed to get done were being done. Well, yeah, you're advocating on behalf of your client. And in this case, your client is the show house and a charity yeah. a charity, and all of that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is it's your name out there in the public eye. So if something is missing, if there's a gaping hole in the space because something wasn't delivered, the contractor is not going to lose any business over it. But you might. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we realized at one point, um, fairly late in the process that we didn't have any countertops and, uh, it was Krista who picked up, picked up on it because we had spec to the cabinet company that, well, we wanted say, you know, a white quartz, but we were giving it to them so that they could price it out at their end. But we realized that nobody had ordered it and, and the the kitchen company said, well, no, that's not our responsibility. And so then we go to, um, you know, the builder and, and they're like, well, no, nobody gave us any, any information on that. So then it was a mad panic. We have to get out there, choose the, the countertops, make sure that they're made on time and the templating's done on time. And, you oh know, it was, gosh. um, you know, just getting to like catching all of those things. And, you know, even though they weren't our responsibility, it was supposed to be done, you know, the purchaser was supposed to have made that PO and nobody told us that we hadn't, that they didn't have the information. And, um, cause we thought we had provided our information to them. And yeah, it was uh, a lot of, a lot of hands in the pot and cooks in the kitchen, if you will. And, yeah. you know, just my blood, to manage all of that. my blood pressure kind of goes up just hearing that. Like I immediately yeah. go into that fight or flight survival mode thinking, oh my gosh, what would I do if that happened to me? And that's so hard on your body. That stress yeah. reaction is so hard on your body. So I think that you're identifying the fact that um, you have to own the project, you have to take control of the project, and that even though it's a charity, you still want to do all the things you do with a regular client, like create tracking forms and make yep. sure that every single thing is verified. And you know what? I hate to sound like this, but trust no one. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know what 100%. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, and then there was all of these. Um, things that popped up, like there was a break-in, um, which apparently is not the first time this, this has happened on this project, but, um, oh, that's sad. Krista, yeah. Krista had gone over to let her painter in, um, and he was upstairs painting and she went to the back door and noticed that the door was open. And so somebody had kicked in the back door and they stole a toilet and a half. We, uh, figured they were stealing the second part because it was near the back door and they stole some tools and some, um, some shower trim kits and these were like Brizo trim kits. So they weren't, they weren't inexpensive. Wow. And uh, then of course we had to call the police and, and because Donna and Tracy were sort of leaving us in charge of this, they had both gone, you know, off on vacation or cottage, whatever. And, and so we're, you know, we had to get the police out there and we've got the security for the builder there and, you know, we're dealing with all of this. And, um, you know, so it was a really great learning experience in that sense too, just about, you know, when things go wrong, like how do you deal with it? And, and, you know, how do you solve these problems? Right. And drawing it back to your business, you could say to yourself, mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have we used a client's garage to store things like that? And yeah. is it really what secure enough? Have mm -hmm. we taken the precautions we need to take so that these items won't go missing? Uh, exactly. Wow. This was a real learning process. It was huge learning process, probably the single most gigantic learning process I've ever, uh, ever been through. Wow. Okay. Now, how are you going to leverage the hard work and effort you did here to translate it into more business and the right kind of business that you're looking for in the future? Well, I'm hoping that, um, I mean, there was a lot of media coverage that's come from it, um, already, and there's going to be more coming. It only opened on September 11th, so it's not even been open for a month. And, um, the citizen did run an article and the, the, um, writer actually left out my name and, uh, no. I wasn't pleased about that and it had gone online first and I figured it was going to be going into the Saturday homes edition of the, the newspaper. And when I saw it online, I emailed her and I said, you know, like, and I was there during the, the interview when, when she was oh. there and I said, um, as you may remember, I was part of the design team as well. And I would appreciate the article being amended to include my name and, you know, thank you very much. And, uh, she did fix it and it got out to, um, into the print article in time, but, you know, I worked hard on this and uh, donated a lot of time. So there was no way I was going to not let my name be in the very first article out 
for it. You were lucky uh, because it might have you might have read that in the newspaper, <laughs> and then exactly. you know they can fix it online, but not in the first print edition. So you really did get lucky there. Yeah, I caught it on time for sure. Um, and then there's um, a video that's going to be coming out. Um, I had sent you a link to it. It's, it's being released on Friday. I'm not sure where it's going, if it's on the website or there's some sort of um, social media aspect to it. But um, it does show me speaking in there with my business name, which is great. And um, we had a day that was called, it was called meet the makers. And so Chio invites some of the trades people in on, you know, whatever day they want to come in and they just are in the house all day while uh, people are viewing it. And so if anyone has any questions, they can come and talk to you. And uh, so I was there on the 17th. So it was the first Sunday after it was open and I had my business cards and I left whatever was left over there, but nearly 4,000 people went through that day, which was a lot of people. It was a little crowded in there at times. And this is a large house and it was packed. Um, so I think that's great. I did get a call from it, um, on Thursday, somebody that had been at the house and, and wanted to, uh, to get in touch to talk about their project. Um, and I've certainly been promoting it. It's the first thing on my website, the first portfolio image, um, as well as at the, this past home show, I had a big poster up on the, the wall of my booth saying that I was part of the design team and some of the, the photos. Unfortunately, people don't read things and they said, Oh, can I buy tickets to the home here? And I said, well, no, I was one of the designers promoting my, <laughs> my booth, but you can buy them at the home. And, um, so people just saw the, the logo and immediately assumed that, uh, it was somehow, you know, promo for the house. Right. But you're but, going to be able to use that logo in future as one of yeah. the featured designers, which is great. So exactly. I had the experience where we used to do the junior league show house and every designer took a different room. And it's, it's exactly as you described, 700 hours of your time. A lot of, in, in these cases, uh, each individual designer used his or her own trades for the rooms. So Mm -hmm. um, it was also calling in every favor that you've, you know, accumulated throughout the year. So the contractor would work for free. So the plumber would do your work for free so that, you know, whatever, whatever you could get for free, you did. And then whatever you couldn't get for free came out of your pocket. So hugely expensive. Um, Every designer's work is lovely. The house was beautiful. And what we found is the first couple of years we got, you know, the odd phone call from from somebody wanting to uh, use our services, but it really wasn't the kind of direct impact to my business I needed. So the third year, we did something um, a little bit out of the box, which worked really, really well, and you can think about it for next year. We hired a gorgeous model uh, to walk around our bedroom in his bathing suit, and we referred to him as the pool boy. And we made up a backstory that the client who lived in this bedroom was having an affair with the handsome pool boy. And the night of the meet the meet the makers kind of event that you described, everybody came into that room and took a picture with the pool boy. And right. I will post a photo of uh, Valentina who works at Kravit, her photo with the pool boy, because I still have it. I'll put it on the website. And that year we got flooded with great clients, exactly the clients I want to work with. We probably got 20 projects out of that house. And oh, wow. the work the year before was just as good. And the year before that, just as good. But it was doing something that's set me apart from everything else that was happening in the house that changed the outcome. So next year, if you do this house, which would you do it again? I would. Yeah, I think I would. So it was, um, okay. So I mean, you it was give some thought and, then to how to really capitalize on that moment in the sun and get business, like don't rely on luck to get you that business, but take control of it and get the business you need from it. But go ahead. You were saying you would, you would do it again. I would. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know that I would be doing it on my own. I mean, the, the thought that kiss had was that they were going to be transitioning out of it. Um, but being left to do it alone or just Krista and I, I'm not hundred percent sure I'd be comfortable with that quite yet. I, I know the girls from kiss said that they would, you know, be in the background to help us for sure. But, um, yeah, I, th- I would, I would be happy to take it on again. I mean, I like the challenge of it. And, um, I mean, I think, like the girls from kiss did say that they do get lots of great business from it, but they've also been doing it for a long time. Whereas I'm, this is my first year working on the project. So I don't expect to get the kind of, um, 
feedback from it that they have gotten because they're so well known. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a really good starting point. And, um, I mean, all I can do, like, like I was saying, it's only been open less than a month. So all I can say is that, um, I'll kind of track and, and measure and see what, what does come out of it. Um, and there will be some more media coverage coming. There's at least two more articles coming, um, about it. And, uh, I'm quite close with both of the, the writers of those articles. So, I know I'll get some good airtime or print time, if you will. So, um, you know, and, and I did pursue one of those myself saying, you know, hey, this would be a really great idea. And, um, you know, so if I can kind of keep on top of it, I just I don't want the buzz to die down. So it's I do want to keep keep it going myself and working towards keeping that going, at oh. least until the home closes and the draw and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like there's a possibility that you could really own this project and maybe you get 10 other designers and everybody takes a room and you don't have to tackle an entire floor. But uh, it sounds like this is something that could transition you away from just smaller decorating projects into much bigger renovation Mm -hmm. projects if that's where you want to go in your business. Oh, I'm excited for you. Well, thank you. Yeah, so it is. uh, I do want to take on the bigger projects. I'm, I'm tired of of little bitty ones. I mean, they're okay, but, um, you know, I, I like the impact of the big renovation. You know, it's so tricky. It's one thing when you're running the whole project and you've got your A team of suppliers around you, but it's a very different thing when you're working with trades that you don't know and other designers you don't know. And I'm thinking about all the times I've had to work with a contractor or a builder that the client had hired and how much diplomacy and, uh, biting of the tongue that sometimes can take. Did you find that also in this project? I did a little bit. Yeah. It's, um, I've always been on my own. Like I, I basically finished school, did a couple of years in retail and then started my business. So I've always been the boss, if you will. And, um, I've always been in charge of, you know, directing the trades and making the final decisions on things. And in this case, I wasn't, I wasn't even the lead on the project. Um, so it was really, it was a a big learning I wouldn't say learning curve, but a learning experience for me to be working not only under other designers, but with other designers. Um, Because obviously with four of us, even though, you know, we all got on very well, there were some things that, you know, I wanted to do that I was vetoed on or that um, they wanted to do that I wasn't on board with. And, you know, it did take a lot of, a lot of kind of tact and diplomacy to get your ideas across without offending anyone else or, um, you know, kind of knowing when, when to back down when maybe the other person did have the right idea or was making the right decision, even if it wasn't what you would have done necessarily. Um, and then certainly working with all the different trades and, and suppliers, um, we were told by the builder who we were working with. There, there was no real choice. I mean, there was a few things we had some choice in, but for all of the major things like the kitchen company or the flooring or um, the painters, like those were all told we were told who who to go to for that and um you know for example I I wasn't working with my usual kitchen company so that whole process was a little bit different and um the flooring company they chose actually was my usual flooring company so that was great and I was able to get my cabinet maker in on some of the some of the other millwork in the house um but just you know working with other people that you don't know and trying to figure out how far you can push them to you know do things your way or um you know get the trades to respect you and respect your decisions as the designers on the project um there was definitely some trickiness there and and i think it it's really served me well with my own contractors as well and i'm certainly comfortable with them but you know just learning how to be again more assertive or um you know making sure that the the trades know that what you say goes and that they have to respect your your decisions and your direction on a job um so i think that was that was a really good learning experience for me and and again certainly just learning to collaborate with other designers and you know not letting ego get in the way and mm. um you know, it, it was, it was really great. I, I really appreciated all of the, all of the learning experiences I had and challenges and, um, you know, mistakes that we made and, and wins that we had. And, you know, it was, um, I think it's a, a big turning point for my business. Wow. It sounds like you'd recommend it to almost anybody. I want to touch, um, base on something that you said and which I think has been true for me, uh, in this situation you describe, but also in terms of hiring staff to help me, Sometimes somebody has an idea that I'm not crazy about. I don't love it. And um, I've learned to put my ego aside. It doesn't have to be my idea. If it's a good idea, let's try it. And I've, and I've learned 
often that that other idea that I didn't think was so great turns out to be really fantastic in execution. So I guess what <laughs> I've learned is I don't know everything. Um, yep. So I think that's a really good exercise to have to go into it and collaborate with someone and see what works and see what doesn't. And maybe maybe it stretches you a little bit as a designer, do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Like there were, there were decisions that were made and some of them I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then, you know, once I saw it in place, it was like, wow, like they were right. Like, what did they know that I didn't? And I mean, I was of the four of us, I'm the youngest. Um, and I was the, I've been in business the least amount of time. Like I've been in the industry for about 14 years, but everybody else has been in, you know, 20 plus. So it was great for me, even as experienced as I am, you know, I don't know everything. And yeah, there were definitely some things like, um, one of the lights in the, in the kitchen, there's this giant light hanging over the, the, there's a banquette with a little table there. And when it was installed, I said, that looks terrible. I hate that light. I just, I hated it. And it just, it looked so bad, but it was, you know, it's something that I'm guilty of. You know, I, I tell my clients, you know, don't judge one element until the rest of the room is done. And I mean, I did that myself. Right. And it was just kind of funny because, you know, I knew I was doing it and I knew I shouldn't be doing it, but my gut reaction was this light, it looks terrible. And then of course, once everything else came into place, it was like, okay, no, 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 the light's good now. But it was, you know, just, I don't know. It's, it's just really different than, than when you're the one making all of the decisions from the get go, because you're always so sure of your own decisions um, and never so sure of anyone else's. But then, you know, when you see it, it, it does kind of let you know that, you know, it's okay to take other people's ideas and, um, you know, and again, to kind of keep the ego out of it too, that you know, you don't always have the right answer. And I'd like to think that I'm not like that anyway, but, um, this was, it, it really did reinforce that, that, you know, everyone has great ideas and sometimes you think it's going to be a mishmash and it actually comes together way better than if you had tried it on your own. Yeah. And you got insight into how clients feel when they're judging a single element without seeing the whole room. So it's amazing yeah. for us to have those experiences, I think. Um, yeah. The other yeah. thing that I found to be a little bit challenging when I do these show houses is thanking the trades who make it all possible. Because at the end of the day, there's going to be some columns and you're going to get some print time and maybe even some television time. uh, And you're going to get some promotion. But Joe the plumber is not going to get mentioned in any of that. So how do you take care of those suppliers who really, really came uh, to the table for you and made it all happen? Um, well, you're right. There's when all of the media stuff happens, um, it is really focused on the designers and the design of the home and all the different elements, but in the home itself, there's two big fringe pieces of art that do list all of the, all the different suppliers and tradespeople that have contributed to the house. So they do get some mention, which is, which is good, but I think the best way to thank them would be to use their services. And, um, this was something I was, I was saying to my husband earlier when we were talking about, um, you know, this podcast that was going to be happening and the different elements of it that, um, you know, it, this project really showed me some trades that I, or, or suppliers that I had never worked with before that I really, don't want to work with them again because things didn't go as well as, as they could have. I mean, everything came together at the end and, and obviously it's, we're appreciative of what they provided, but, um, some of it was, was quite challenging to, to some of them were were challenging to work with. And then there was the people that really just went above and beyond and were so phenomenal. And it was people that, you know, I'd never even heard of before in the city that I will absolutely be bringing on to some of my jobs because their workmanship was fantastic. Their attitudes were fantastic. And, you know, it was really, it was a learning experience in that sense too, that, you know, meeting new trades and, and meeting trades that, you know, maybe you don't want (laughs) to be dealing with again, but, um, yeah, I think that's the best way to thank them is to is to hire them. I yeah, I think that's absolutely true as well. I want to talk about something that I probably should have brought up earlier, which has to do with intentions. When mm-hmm. you approach something like this or a home show, you mentioned that you've just been at the home show as well. When I'm coaching people, I always talk to them about setting intentions before you do this event that is free so that you can be focused on the outcome you want. And so often we're such kind, generous, hardworking people that the intention is, I just want to be helpful. I just want to do this wonderful thing for the community and be helpful, which is great and honorable. Uh, But there is no shame in also saying, I would like to get 
two new clients out of this job. So looking at this experience uh, and thinking about what you might do next year in terms of it, would you be willing to set some intentions for yourself next year in terms of what you want to accomplish? I don't know that I set any intentions consciously for this year. Um, I mean, really, my my thought behind it was that, you know, because this is such a big, prestigious project, that I really wanted to bump my business up to the next level in terms of just taking on larger projects. I really would like to have more large projects and less small projects, but kind of less projects overall. Um, Because I just, I find I work better when I've got you know, one big project or, or a couple of bigger projects on the go, you know, you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to be everywhere at once. And, um, I would just really like to kind of relax in my own mind a little bit, um, at work. Like it's, there's times where there's so many projects on the go and it's just so chaotic. And I mean, it's not something, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now, so I can't keep up with that forever, um, just physically or mentally. And so I was really hoping that this project would really kind of make that transition to, um, a couple of larger projects that I can focus on having a, you know, a bit more of a wait list. And, um, I mean, obviously again, the, the charity aspect of it was, you know, I I really wanted to do it for that, but, um, with the hopes as well, that it would really change my business into what I want it to be. I love that you talked about that. Even though you didn't consciously set that intention, you did in fact accomplish that goal. You kind of stepped up and said, can I do this? Yes, I can. And now going forward, it sounds like you're in such an amazing position, 35 years old. Oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give to do the last 20 years again. You're in your best money-making years. You're in your prime years. Uh, the next 20, 30 years are going to be extraordinary for you. So to be able... That's the whole- yeah. So to be able now to say, I, I don't want to have 40 projects a year. That's just wearing me out. I want to have yeah. 15 that are extremely profitable and yeah. photogenic, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mentioned the um, group of designers that I work with on Gilda's Club. And of course, you know, I was 35 when we did that. And in the, the last 20 years for all of us have been extremely uh, profitable and exciting and rewarding in our business life. And some of the group are now in their 60s and even in their 70s. And they're still working and earning great money and just loving this life and being able to take a month off and go to Mexico and buy a summer home and a cottage and all those things that I think a lot of, um, I'm going to generalize here, but I'm going to say a lot of women feel uncomfortable kind of claiming for ourselves as business Mm -hmm. owners. It feels uh, mercenary to have a goal like that. I'm going to make a huge amount of money so I can buy a vacation home. Uh, when in fact there's nothing shameful about that at all. Yeah. Why not? So I'm excited for your next 20 years. And I think this was a really good thing for you to do. Would you say across the board, it's a good thing for anyone to do, or would you, would you put some caveats on that? Um, I don't know that I would put caveats necessarily. I mean, I think it's great for anyone to, you know, if you're given the opportunity, don't say no because you think you can't do it or because you're afraid. I mean, if you were offered the opportunity, it's because somebody thinks you can do it. And, you know, they're, they're probably right. Um, and, and that was kind of, you know, at first thinking about this was like, oh my God, like, can I do this? You know, I'm just little me and they're, you know, this big design firm has been doing this for so many years. And, um, you know, I, not to like try to toot my own horn or anything, but you know, they obviously saw something in me and, um, I did step up and, and was able to complete the project with everyone else and, you know, kind of hold my own. And, um, again, being kind of the youngest on, on the team, I think I really benefited from their experience and, um, you know, hopefully like you were saying, you know, that, well, to me, 35 seems like I'm, I'm getting up there, but, um, it sounds like you're saying that that's not the case. So if I'm coming into my prime, you know, I'm hoping that this project then gives me that credibility to, to do that. And, um, I mean, I think if anyone has offered this, an opportunity like this, or even anything like this, like grab it. So you you just walked right into the end of the podcast, which is design intervention. And we always ask, what do you want to share that is actionable right now for those listening who have an interior design business? And you already gave us one right there, which is when opportunity knocks, don't say no. Step up, 
own it yeah. and you will grow into being able to handle it, even if you're scared when you first start. So that was an amazing one. Thank you for that. You're I'm welcome. going to put you on the spot because I know you have other ones. So design intervention, thinking back to a younger Sarah Kidder, all that you've learned in the last 14 years, um, what advice would you give to people listening about running their business? And it could have something to do with the show house you just finished, or it could have nothing to do with that, but just something actionable that you think people could take right now and run with and do something amazing in their business. Um, well, I think, I don't know that it's something actionable, like at this very moment for everyone, but it was definitely something that I thought of while at the home show. And I mean, the home show was, it was quieter than usual this year. And we were part of, I was part of this thing called designers walk. So there was seven designers all in a row and it was one of the show features, but you're basically watching your competition, you know, talk to somebody and then they come and talk to you and then they go and talk to another designer, another designer, and you're kind of selling yourself each time. Right. So and like I think a speed dating thing. <laughs> almost. almost. Um, I mean, people didn't have to go to every booth, but you know, the, the sort of the quadrant that I was in, you know, someone would come and talk to me and then they would go across to the next person and then the next person, the next person. And so it was a little bit weird in that sense, but I think, I think the biggest piece of advice I can give people is in a situation like that or in any situation where you are in the position to be selling yourself to a potential client is look them in the eye and be confident. And when you give them your hourly rate, don't even blink. Like you give them that hourly rate and you let them know that you're worth it. And, and that was something, you know, that was a bit of a struggle too, because the other three designers that were in my quadrant all offered free consultations and, for me to then have to justify to a client, well, why am I not free? And it says, well, because, you know, I give you advice at that consultation. You can go, like, I can leave that consultation and you know where to go next. Whereas the other, the free consultations is basically fact finding and they try not to give any information. So you're literally getting what you pay for. Nothing. You know, and I think. <laughs> I'm practically <laughs> levitating. I'm so excited by what you're saying. <laughs> But, you know, and it was, it was true because I was really put on the spot because people would talk to them first and say, well, you know, so-and-so over there offers a free consultation and say, well, that's great. But when they leave that consultation, you know, further ahead, they've, you've given them the information on the project, but they've given you nothing in return and they'll give you your quote. When I leave the consultation, you'll have ideas. You'll be excited about the project because we'll have talked about some of the potential solutions for your home and the things that I'm seeing and what we can do. And then I give you the quote, same as they do, but I've left that consultation. I've been reimbursed for my time you've been given something for that time and, and we both walk away happy and, you know, move forward with our project and, you know, having to justify that over and over on the weekend really, you know, it made me realize who my clients are and, and the people who are going to bulk over, you know, 150 an hour for, you know, two, three hours. Those aren't my clients. If, mm -hmm. if you're going to have a problem with that, you're going to have a problem with all of my fees moving forward. And, you know, I'm glad we got that out of the way at the beginning. I am so happy for you. I, I see big things in your future and I would like to talk to you more like that design intervention. You gave us those two points, look them in the eye, be confident about your rate. And when opportunity knocks, don't say no. Those two points indicate to me that you are running a really smart business. And I think you have more to share with the podcast listeners. So will you come back another time and talk about running your business? Absolutely. I would be more than happy to. You're wonderful. Okay, everybody, Sarah Kidder, you're going to be able to uh, follow the link to the uh, charity show house she's done and take a look at her work. Of course, Sarah, what's your website? It's www.sarahkitterdesign.com. Okay. And Sarah with an H. Yes. Sarah. And Kidder with two Ds. And Kidder with two Ds, like the jokester in your life. <laughs> But you're like serious kidding, about business. Not. Yeah, you're dead serious about business. Thank you That's so right. much for sharing this insight. It was really great talking to you. And thank you, by the way, as well, for supporting Business of Design. You have been, you were an early adopter and you have been right by my side for many years and I just love having you in my life. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me and all of the wonderful information you provide to me and to all the other designers out there. Your services are invaluable. At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. 
Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.